Hi, this is Brian Michael Bendis, and you are listening to Ultimate Spin, my absolute favorite show in the whole world, except for Gilmore Girls. Ultimate Spin. Hello, my name's Kyle and welcome to The Ultimate Spin, the one and only Spider-Man podcast specifically for fans of the relationship of Miles Morales and Spider-Gwen Stacy. Hey there, this is Brian, and in this episode, we're excited to share an excerpt from a recent Q&A with Brian Michael Bendis himself, where he shared some insight about introducing the topic of race into the current run of Spider-Man. And we'll also look at Miles and Gwen's interdimensional adventure in Spider-Man number 13 and share some listener feedback. My name is Jack, and if this is your first time checking out our show, you can find all of our show notes for this episode and every previous episode at ultimatespinpodcast.com. There you can also subscribe to the show, stream and download all the previous episodes, including interviews with people like Robbie Rodriguez and Jason Latour, and connect with us on Twitter and Facebook. Our show is by fans and for fans, meaning that we enjoy hearing what you think of these characters and their stories. Drop us a line and join the conversation. Before we get stuck into Spider-Man number 13, you mentioned it in the intro there, Brian, and this is perhaps most relevant to you since you're actually there. Uh, you got to be part of a Q&A with Mr. Brian Michael Bendis at Midtown Comics. Tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, so let me set the scene. Midtown Comics, downtown New York City, had managed to put this cool Q&A event together with Bendis. He was in town for the Marvel Writers Retreat, and so they had some free time, and he was willing to do it. So they invited a very small group of fans to attend, which actually made for a pretty cool evening, and they picked people based on questions that they had submitted beforehand. And I was lucky enough to be one of those people. They intended to record it for their podcast, but unfortunately they had some technical issues, but they managed to stream it live on Facebook. And so that's where I was able to, to capture the audio that we're going to share with you. I had a chance to ask him about that scene early on in this current Miles run where Miles' costume gets ripped and Danica is gushing about the fact that, oh my gosh, Spider-Man is a person of color. And Miles' reaction is quite surprising. He's actually annoyed about this. And this is what Bendis had to say. It's an interesting bit because there's a lot of people that don't like that bit as well. And it was it was fascinating to me because it was based 100% on someone I know who is um, of color. Who literally was like, I don't like being referred to as the black anything. I want to just be the thing. And, and, uh, and he, he told me when I was younger, I did want. And now I'm older. I don't like. I feel like it's a qualification of some sort. Yeah. Like I'm, like I'm, get, like I'm getting a special star or something. And and I was like, hmm. I mean, yeah, I've never seen that. Not only comics. I can't remember seeing it on TV. Like I was trying to think. Have I seen that? And I'm sure I, I haven't seen everything. So, but I, I hadn't seen it. So, I, and then when it came time, I was like, well, that would be an interesting thing to write. That they, they see his skin color and the reaction is so positive that he. And again, it, what's funny, and this is everything that's wrong with the internet, is that he questions it privately to his friend. There he's alone with his best friend. She says something. He goes, "Hey, what's that about? Like, why? What's you know? Just I want like." And he's just asking the question. He just he's confused by it and talks about it. He doesn't say that's it. You know, he doesn't make a declaration. 
Two issues later, Luke Cage shows up yeah. and says, listen, don't screw it up, like everyone has said to me about this character. Don't screw it up. This is important. Right? And then he's got another thing. Now his father is going to tell him something a few issues later, too. He's, 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 it's a journey question. It's not, you don't get a simple answer. You, gotta, you have to, he, he's going to figure it out over time, but he's young and he asks the question. And some people just got really mad about the question. Like that question should not be asked in literature. That is, you're, 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 it's, it's racist, and, and, and I'm like, and then it was so funny because I was on my Tumblr, it was like, don't ever do that again, and listen, and then someone wrote, I'm a graphic designer, and when people say I'm a graphic designer of color, it really makes me mad. Thank you for writing that. Never do it again. Yeah. This happened to me, and you're right on the money. It was like right down the middle, the response. So, you know, but I, it, what's, what's a bummer is on Tumblr, they just take the panel and they go, look at this, look, look, and they, and they, and, and but meanwhile, it's just one part of 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 many parts of, of of a journey for him. So that that's where it's going. We we don't know where he is yet in his mindset. So I'm sorry, I feel I may mean, be. Oh no, actually, you you ended up kind okay. of answering my question sorry. because I mean, I just wanted to add, like, it meant a lot to me. And now I'm a dad, and my kids yeah. are next, and we read the book together. So it actually opened up a great conversation because they're going to have to navigate that stuff as well. Yeah. So my question was going to be, you know. Um, going forward, you know, are his parents going to back in that conversation? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Jefferson, but, you know, Jefferson Rio, and Rio. Rio is such a great character. Yeah, there, like, there's there's a lot that's going to happen with the family in the next few issues after the Spider Gwen um, storyline. Okay, uh, a lot a lot's going to happen in that household that may surprise some people, and um, uh, there's a lot of secrets flying around that house that that's that that's pretty much ready to pop. Um, yes, he, he, you know, he's going to come to his father and go, how did you deal with this? And go to his mother and how do you, like, there's, there's people to talk to about, you know. And, and also I like the, um, you know, we've seen the story about, oh my God, he's different than me. I don't like it. But it was like, he's different than me. I love him. And then, and that, like, it's almost like reverse race. Like, it's not, it's, not, it's weird. It's, I, it's I, a I, weird I, thing. And, 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 and I thought that was worth addressing. And it, and it is kind of like a little meta because that's Miles is dealing with that as a character in the pop culture as well you know what I mean and, and, I, and I wanted to see how we felt about it yeah so well, it was appreciated thank you see someone appreciated <laughs> I'm sure you got a hint of it from that clip but he honestly it was almost like he came out to see us just as much as we the fans had come out to see him he came across as a genuinely sincere humble, down-to-earth, good guy. And it was a real pleasure and privilege to get to chat with him. And I just want to give a big thanks to Greg and the staff at Midtown Comics for making it happen. And we'll put a link to the full Facebook stream over at uh, ultimatespinpodcast.com. It was pretty cool to get some background on that as well as some hints for the future. Yeah, this is a topic we've definitely touched a lot upon on this show, isn't it? And, and Brian himself has touched upon the fact that he wants to talk about race and and obviously he mentions as well his um, mixed race family as well, absolutely. It's kind of a, a key factor whenever he goes like, oh, I can't believe this character is written by a white guy and he wants to talk about race and things like that. And um, I, I think it's interesting that that was kind of one of the key points for him to talk about. And, and the fact that Danica received very mixed reactions from the fans as as she did on this show, and I know our listeners were kind of uh, both sides of it, I guess. Um, I'm very intrigued to see 
where this is all going to go. And I like I like Bendis dropping little hints there. He's very good at dropping hints for the future because I assume he's got stuff planned out for like years and years and years because he's one of the guys at Marvel that kind of drives the ship in a lot of ways. Speaking of Brian Michael Bendis, shall we talk about Spider-Man number 13? And uh, again, speaking of Brian's, Mr. Jacob, it's your turn for the recap, I believe. Spider-Man 13. I think I could make this fairly quick. Miles discovers that Jefferson 65 is in fact club owner, and we're assuming criminal mastermind, the Scorpion. After a brief fight, Gwen saves Miles, Jefferson is arrested, and our spider heroes attempt to transport back to Earth 616. What happens next? We'll find out next issue. The 12 second recap, maybe the fastest recap we've ever had. That might be a new record. I also feel like that also says some kind of damning things about the issue. Because for me personally, I I know that, um, especially with the Civil War ones, I was, Civil War times, I was probably the most positive one around them. Mm. And now we're at part three of this crossover and I'll just, I, I feel about this issue, like the level of enjoyment as Jack did about the Civil War ones. Oh, really? I didn't, Wow. Because Jack adored Civil those, War too. Those are strong words, my friend. He loved it. Oh, so. maybe, well, maybe not that, well, maybe not that much now that you think about it, but still, I, di- I can't say that I really enjoyed this issue that much. I think it was mostly hindered by the amount, by the breaks with the flashbacks that probably were the most responsible for that. For me, it, it felt like stalling a lot of it. There are a couple of nice moments in here, don't get me wrong, which I'm sure we'll talk about, but... Yeah, yeah. I'm not quite as I'm not saying such a bad thing like I did to Civil War Two tie in issues, but this is definitely the, the slowest of the three. And I, I agree with you guys about the I guess the flash forwards, whatever, um, to the storytelling bit in the, the dorm room. And as much as I love Ganky and Gold Orbs, I mean them are boys, but still. Especially in the middle of action scenes and stuff, they're like mid fight and then it swaps back. And then the fight carries on on the next page and stuff like that. It's very, I thought it was a weird choice for the, the momentum from page to page. For the majority of the series, I've been reading it with guided view. Mm. So that's not the format that I was using before. I was mostly just using it as reading it as the page itself. Mm. But when I'm reading that and then I get to those moments, it's like, oh, oh. well, great. Now you've just killed the momentum for me here. And we're back seeing these guys in mid. We were just fighting, and now we're seeing sit down of people f- in the future. Yep, yep. So what? Well, yeah. I did like the revelation that Jefferson, or we're assuming is Jefferson, right? Because I mean, Miles is calling him Dad, but I don't oh, know. Future Miles. Future Miles. I don't know, but I did like the revelation that he is the Scorpion designed as this slick character with the suit and he's got that cane with the he's got the hook the hook on it which you're just waiting for it to like for him to launch it and use it so it's like the promise of that was really interesting but then the actual dialogue even in their scene i i used the word stalling earlier with the you know referring to the flashback stuff it felt like that here too like come out with it already you just just say it because there's those teasing like you don't know who you're dealing with and He's also fast and powerful, like we know our Jefferson is, but 
there's more to it and you just want to get to it. And so this is strange to say, uh, but I actually found the little fight sequence not very satisfying in that regard because I was more interested in the drama. Mm. Like, who is this guy? And we don't get it. I felt like, come on, give me, give me a little something here. Yeah, there were, there were a couple of standout moments for me. The, the highlights are um, pretty much Gwen flying around and kicking people and stuff like that. She looks amazing when she's... That costume lends itself so well to flips and kicks and splits and all that sort of stuff. And they're um, kind of carrying over the signature stylized versions of the um, sound effects and stuff like that. It's, it's a really cool kind of visual thing that they're carrying over into the Spider-Man book from the Spider-Gwen series. It's not quite as stylized as we talked about before, as, as Robbie's and uh, Rico Renzi's work it often is, but I like that we've got the, the strong colours and the strong sound effects and stuff like that, and, and Gwen always looks incredible when she's in like mid-action, flying knees and stuff like that. And the other part I really liked was the kind of really kind of sincere moment where Gwen just is trying to calm down Miles and they have that kind of hug and again it's, it's that thing we are talking about before where it's building slowly building up this connection that they've got we're not just diving straight into them kissing each other and all that sort of stuff they've had a couple of hugs and like there seems to be some genuine care and affection between the two but they're not just like oh it's teenagers in love kind of thing that it seems to be slowly building up and not just going straight for the kill as it were when a which was something I think we were all worried about when the opening page was the kiss. And we're like, oh no, oh, they're going straight for it. And now they're kind of... The pacing of that certainly works, if not the pacing of this issue itself. I'm glad you mentioned that panel. That's a beautiful panel where she's... After she's uh, webbed him up, she puts her arms around him to just say... To kind of slow him down, say calm down. And also it starts raining. So it's a it's a very beautiful moment. I mentioned in the last issue where, you know, they had their scene in the attic as they were trying to find a an outfit for Gwen to kind of infiltrate the club in the first place. And there were some hints at the beginning of a chemistry there. And so this artwork and a moment like that definitely continues that momentum. So I'm I'm still on board with this, uh, this idea. I think it's it's unfolding at a really believable pace and Speaking of beautiful, when they transport out of there, that is stunning. That final panel on that page with all the, the shimmering lights and everything in there, their figures in silhouette, that's one of my favorite things I've seen in a while. Yeah, it's really cool. The the dimension hopping when they go to the apocalyptic spider world thing is absolutely terrifying. <laughs> and uh, I, I love the kind of how kind of nonchalantly they're just like hopping between universes like... I hate it when this happens or we end up in a spider-dominated post-apocalyptic universe. Oh, well, on to the next one. feels like this ties into like one of the problems I had with this and it's more like the characterization of Miles himself. It's like, in in of that, ne- neither one of them really reacts to, oh, there's a giant spider thing coming at us and some douchebag riding it. And they're like, okay, fine, let's, let's just leave this because... For Gwen in particular, she's more accustomed to this because she was on the Web Warriors or whatever. And then earlier on in the issue, Miles is... I get it. He's gone hunting for his dad. His dad's missing, blah, blah, blah. But the constant dad, dad, dad thing, it's like, it's not your dad. And it 
doing that over and over again, like the idea that un- he can't wrap his head around the fact that there is other dimensions all of a sudden with different versions of the same people. It's like, y- you've done this already. Why are we coming to this part, re- repeating it? And like you said, it felt like they were stalling in just doing this over and over again. And then at least him acting recklessly, I guess. And yeah, he eventually gives us that like nice moment with Gwen webbing him up and just trying to help him calm down. But at the same time, it's like you're acting irrationally for a, in the world of these characters where they are used to this sort of thing to this scenario. I did like the um, kind of action in the middle there, but there was a very weird section where Miles gets shot in the back and there's this weird... Uh, he gets shot and there's a picture of his face and then he's face down. Is that a delayed reaction? Because it looks like it knocks him off his feet. But then it doesn't. And then he's face down outside for some reason. It felt very, very disjointed and weird. Like As much as I was complimenting the action earlier, Gwen's bit is a lot more easy to follow for me. And then that section i'm just like wait what i thought is that somebody else getting shot because it's completely silhouetted so you don't know that it's miles straight away and especially like you said carl if we have somebody reading it in guided view you can't see you know that miles has got the kind of smoke and steam coming off his back in the the next panel it's a weird thing where it's like that clearly looks like a kill shot or a at least a knockout or something and then he's standing up and then suddenly, oh, I'm outside, aren't I? And it's like, oh, right, okay. And then he seems fine. It's very weird. It felt very disjointed. And, of course, that, that then leads into Miles facing off with the police again because we haven't had that analogy enough times already. <laughs> Even he said it's his favorite part. Exactly. But, yeah, and then it, it just closes out with it's raining heavy and Gwen throws her arm around him and that's another very sweet, believable pose like to me again that's that's continuing to sell the the whole chemistry angle and then they just leave so it's like okay but i'm trying to think like well what did i get like how did the how did this take the story forward and that's i don't think it moved far enough for me it was like stuff happened but there's what i know we do the summaries at the end like some of the issue in three words but if you were to sum up like what where are we now have we moved forward enough the message on the, the the dimension hopping bracelet thing, that is from S.H.I.E.L.D. telling Miles to come back. So assuming we're going to get some answers in some form or another, I know getting answers is probably very hopeful of me, very optimistic, but we're going to get something from Maria Hill next issue, I would assume. Like, oh, hey, Miles. Turns out I was wrong. He's in another dimension. He's right. He's fine. He's just here or whatever. And then it's all gone. Or not necessarily that, but some something. There's going to be some twist or some other version of it. Otherwise, why would they call him back to the quote unquote six one six Prime Universe, whatever, whatever it's called, Marvel Prime. I think it's called these days. It's a strange, short little issue, but I. It, it's a comic. It's a comic. I'm, yeah. <laughs> Should we get? Should we go to our summaries? Yeah. How would you wrap this up in your three-word reaction to this to this issue, Jack? You want to go first? I'm gonna go for middle arc slump. 
Chef Kyle, what do you got for us? One small step. Oh, <laughs> I like that. <laughs> that's very clever, Kyle. Brian, how about you? Wait, that's it? Uh-huh. That's what we thought of this issue, but we'd love to hear from you guys listening as well. Drop us a line, let us know. Feedback at ultimatespinpodcast.com or our Twitter uh, at the Ultimate Spin or Facebook page uh, at Ultimate Spin Podcast. Uh, we heard from a few listeners recently. Um, should we share what they they shared with us? Absolutely. We got a uh, message from Matthew Aruda, and he says, name. "Great last name, Aruda." <laughs> Thanks, Kyle. Yeah, it's, it's a reference to um, John Fashnu. Aruda. Right. Next, read the question. Read it. Cut this out. I'm, Don't worry I, about I'm it. I'm trying. I'm trying to read it. You're still <laughs> talking. Real. Real. Go. <laughs> I believe that the kiss heard around the Marvel Universe occurs because Miles plays a major factor in allowing Gwen to get her full powers back. That would be well deserving of such a kiss. I like it. Also, yeah. just wanted to say that Brian's theory of the older Miles is goosebumping great. And I agree, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> I love the future Miles... Older Miles is secretly a 65 Jefferson thing. I remember you saying that on the show, because that, for you listeners, I can't remember if we said it on at the time, but that's not something we discussed before. Right, it just, it just it was it's in the moment. It's a that occurred to you as we were recording. Right. And I was like, wait a minute, what? And if I, if I could have done that um, Tim and Eric gif with the mind explosion <laughs> thing, I would have done it, yeah, just complete mind-blown Um and that's that's interesting tying it back to the because I keep forgetting the whole Gwen doesn't actually have her powers thing because weapon of choice happened and then Matt Murdock shows up with a briefcase full of powers and at the moment obviously she's working with him ish so everything's fine and I'm guessing she's going to get her powers back at some point so that'd be really interesting to see if he does if that's kind of the the thing that spurs on their relationship like oh my god thank you so much for helping me fix this problem, get rid of Matt Murdock, and that's when the kiss happens. That That's an interesting and totally believable thing that could happen, I think. That's a great idea. Or 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 did he mean, like, somehow, like, some kind of power transference? Ooh. Didn't they do that in Doctor Who a couple of times? Oh, just, like, a dozen yeah, times, yeah. Yeah, just once or twice, maybe, but... <laughs> But maybe it's something like that. But either way, I like I like that the kiss is not just a romantic thing, but there's some something to do with her her getting her spider powers back. Nice. It'd be worse. Peter once gave Mary Jane cancer. Some, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> Your chickens today, Carla. Really weird. Speaking of killing my mentor. Whoa, hey. Okay. <laughs> God damn it. Also, uh, MJ's got cancer. <laughs> like, what? what By the, the way. Carry on, Brian. I can't now. <laughs> Kyle, why don't you start with the... Uh... <laughs> I'm about to say fuck <laughs> off. <laughs> 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 okay. Jeez. How unprofessional. <laughs> we also got another... Message from Lawrence E. Minor the second. Hey guys, last episode got me thinking. Since Miles is having a movie coming out, do you think Marvel will raise his profile in the comics like they usually do with heroes with movies on the way? It almost seems like a moot point since his profile is so high already, and thanks 
obviously so many writers wanting to get their hands on him for a cameo, crossover, event or cartoons. And since this is a Sony film outside the MCU, will Marvel actually bother to try? Hmm. Good question. Yeah, I I don't know. I, I, you're right, though. I mean, he does pop up in a, a lot of other books. Uh, Gwenpool springs to mind as the most or one of the more recent ones. But yeah, he just I, I don't know if it's so much about the character as just him being there just just to be there, if that makes sense. It's not really tied into sort of his story. So I don't know. I don't think they'd do anything more than they already are. I think he's got quite a bit of exposure. He spread out enough different things that he this is what this is the situation we're already in. But Marvel and Sony seem to be in a better place, so I doubt they'll intentionally hurt themselves. Anyway, Lawrence also said also weird. Also, when Bendis and Latour actually decide to put their pens down for Miles and Gwen in the hopefully distant future, who do you think is a good fit to continue writing for their respective solo series? Now, seeing as I'm the one that just answered that, read out that question, I want to see Mark Wade because I love Mark Wade and Mark Wade can write anything. But of the for a while, I was kind of like really interested in the Mark Wade doing like a Miles book. But yeah, just, let's just accept. Okay. Well, I'm still okay with white people writing Miles. It's fine. I, but I kind of feel like he could. You'd also have a lot of fun writing Gwen. I think almost anyone would have fun writing Spider Gwen at this point. But I, you can't go wrong with Mark Wade. He's one of my for, for bang for your buck superhero stories. Mark Wade is one of the best in the business at the moment, if not ever, in my opinion. Um, he's done amazing work at Marvel and DC. Mark Wade's a good choice, yeah, for either one. I I, w- I would imagine him more of a as a Miles writer personally, but I could see him having fun with Gwen as well, definitely. I think, especially because these are younger characters, I love what Wade has been doing for Archie, mm, and I think those definitely. those sensibilities would carry over really well to to either a Miles or a Gwen book. Um, and probably for me, I'm probably leaning more towards Gwen for someone like that. For someone like Miles, I'd actually want to go maybe outside the realm of established comic book writers. We had talked about Jason Reynolds and he's doing the Miles novel that's coming out uh, later this year. And I think his style of writing could be really interesting. I'm not sure. I mean, the preview was more about like Miles's day-to-day life and not so much the superhero stuff, but I think those those sensibilities of tapping into the more day to day, the more down to earth, and like mm. identity, cultural aspects, like all of that, fleshed them out as a really interesting character. And I'd like to see those qualities carry more over into the comic book side of things. So I think someone like that would be good. Go way outside and say someone like uh, Lynn Manuel Miranda. Wow. I think he could have some really interesting things to say. And even before Hamilton, I mean, his work on uh, In the Heights and you know some of the other writing he's done, I think would play into into that. Certainly both of the, you know, Jason Reynolds and Lin-Manuel Miranda, like writing younger characters, they do that and putting them in a very real and immediate way. I think that'd be, that'd be pretty cool. So something like that. Because I think Miles as a character in the series so far, it deserves that continued level of heart. I really like the idea of Jason Reynolds to kind of, dipping his toe in the water with the novel and then i don't know maybe getting like 
inspired and getting a taste for Miles as a character and really enjoying those characters and being like, hey, Marvel, um, when Bendis does eventually hang it up, would you mind if I took over? And if the book does well, there's no reason that Marvel wouldn't at least consider it, if not, you know, accept some some pitches and submissions from him or something like that. And it, it's been done before. We've seen people transition from novelists to comic writers and, and vice versa as well. I guess that's an interesting, interesting idea. I actually had Tanizi Coates in mind when when I was trying to think of like you know, going outside, you know, for your normal writer pool. And like that was that's that's funnily enough my answer for Miles. Oh really? Oh wow. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I absolutely love Black Panther. Is one of my favorite books on the shelves right now. Um, and what Tanahasi Coates is doing with that book is phenomenal. And it's not just because you know black characters and a black writer. I get it. It's that's not why I'm picking it. I'm picking it because Black Panther is my favorite Marvel book outside of these two in years. Like I'm absolutely adoring that series and the way he's built that world and how believable his version of Wakanda is and this whole technology thing and I think doing something a little bit higher concept with Miles would be interesting as well. Less of the kind of day-to-day stuff and doing a really kind of something not necessarily the technology of wakanda but something a little bit unusual and weird and more kind of cosmic-y or superhero-y or something like that would be really interesting um for gwen first person that springs to mind who does the kind of wacky kind of stuff that i think would fit in is matt fraction matt fraction is one of my all-time favorite marvel writers his invincible iron man run is incredible and he did the definitive Iron Fist run along with Ed Brubaker and in Immortal Iron Fist as well. And uh, yeah, Matt Fraction writes incredible characters and tells weird stories that shouldn't work, but totally work. And that would, I think that would work really well in, in Earth 65. Earth 65 is where you can kind of let people like Matt Fraction just do whatever he wants because it's not part of the main Marvel Universe. And, and like Jason Latour has talked about before, they can get away with a lot more stuff then you can kill off this character you can have this villain show up and it's they're a different gender or a different race or completely robotic or whatever and have fraction do something really weird and and unusual and unexpected nice call i think i'd love that too i just i don't know if his marvel days are done though I think they are, but I'm I'm talking dream. Yeah, I think he he's busy with image and and doing his TV stuff with Kelly Sue DeConnick and stuff like that at the moment. But yeah, it's fun to think about. I mean, maybe who knows? Uh, Gwen has had an annual, but Miles hasn't. Maybe an annual would be a good way to try some short stories from other people. And is that a, is that a chance to get a script from Jason Reynolds? Hey, well, so I think that about that about wraps us up for this week, doesn't it? I think so. We'd love to hear from you guys. Do you have thoughts for Lawrence's question? If in the hopefully distant future, other people were to take over writing these books, who would you want to hear from? Let us know. You can drop us a line at feedback at ultimatespinpodcast.com, our Twitter page at The Ultimate Spin, or our Facebook page at Ultimate Spin Podcast. You've already plugged the show's Twitter and Facebook page, Brian. Where can everybody find you on the internet? Me personally, you can find my Twitter and Instagram and other podcasts that I've been working on all at project37.net. How about you, Jack? 
Um, I'm at JLW Chambers on Twitter. That's the easiest way to keep up with stuff. Um, other other podcasts I'm on. I've got a few other things coming up in the near future, as well as the Intercomics podcast that comes out every other week as well. Um, yeah, I'm JLW Chambers on basically everything. If for some reason you want to follow me on Instagram or follow me on Facebook or anything like that, that's that's the right way to do it. How about you, Mister McPherson? And and well, for me, you should be following me on Instagram and Twitter. So it's at just Kyle MC. You get me? That's it. I'm not creative enough to think of some some sort of online pseudonym or whatever the word is. I don't know. So yeah, you know the drill. The wrestling. Did I make a wrestling reference in this episode today? We'll find out. Football. And you know, comics, isn't it? So, that's it for us for now. But coming up next time, who is the mysterious villain threatening Miles' universe all the way from Gwen's universe? Sitting in a Tree continues part four as we cover Spider-Gwen number 17. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you soon for the ultimate spin.